Welcome to Dave's Daily Crypto Take. Today is Tuesday, November 8th, 2022. Let's get into today's charts. At number one, we got BTC at $19,685.87, down 0.15%. Ethereum at number two, $1,468.18, down 0.28%. Tether at number three, $1. At number four, BNB, $321.23, down 0.22%. USD coin, number five, $1. Binance, USD at number six, $1. At number seven, XRP, 43 cents, down 0.58%. Dogecoin at number eight, uh, 0.09 uh, cents at 0.77% down. Cardano at number nine, 37 cents down 1.21%. And last but not least, number 10, Polygon at $1.10 uh, down 0.67%. Let's take a look at the Crypto Fear and Greed Index. Today, we got fear at 31. Yesterday was fear at 33. Last week was fear at 30. And last month was extreme fear at 22. Let's take a look at uh, our articles today. Article number one is Bitcoin price prediction for December 31st, 2022. Article two, Nier's conflict with market bulls proves the protocol may have a mind of its own. Article number three is in bankrupt Lebanon, locals mine Bitcoin and buy groceries with Tether as $1 is now worth 15 cents. And last but not least, uh, the main topic today is Beepo is bringing immersive 3D NFTs to Solana. All right, so before we get into the articles, just want to say thank you so much to everyone that's been messaging me saying, hey, we want Dave's Daily Crypto Take back. So again, I'm going to go back into it, trying to get Daily Crypto Take uh, content for you guys. So please subscribe, send your uh, my channel to all your friends, family that are interested in unbiased news about cryptocurrency. All right, let's get into it. Article number one, Bitcoin price prediction for December 31st, 2022. So... BTC has regained a $21,000 level in November after weeks of consolidating around $20,000. Characterized by sideways price movement, notably, investors are exploring potential signals for the asset's price bottom that would likely usher in a new rally. Indeed, Bitcoin Center's rainbow price chart is among the tools used to gauge Bitcoin's performance by highlighting the asset's past trends alongside insights into long-term price movement. Tool is also known as the fund chart indicating the market sentiments in colored bands. The chart's prediction indicates that Bitcoin will likely regain a critical support level by the end of 2022, suggesting that the flagship cryptocurrency could potentially reclaim the $25,000 level, which lies in the basically a fire sale band. Notably, Bitcoin's current price is also operating in the zone. Furthermore, the rainbow chart trends indicate Bitcoin may have bottomed for instance, when Bitcoin traded in the basically a fire sale zone in March 2020, the asset embarked on a historic rally that resulted in a record high of $69,000 in late 2021. Bitcoin's latest consolidation has been marked by dropping volatility with price stabilizing. So the impact of Bitcoin possible price bottom? Well, Additionally, with Bitcoin trading in the $20,000 range, a section of the market believes the asset could have found the floor. If the bottom is confirmed, investors will be able to maximize their capital efficiency to gain the maximum possible upside with the least down risk. At the same time, using the Bitcoin rainbow chart calls for caution since the bands are adjusted over time to better fit past performances. Elsewhere, the color bands are following the logarithmic 
regression and are not part of the scientific basis. Crypto community, Bitcoin prediction. It is worth noting that the crypto community is expressing bearishness for Bitcoin by the end of the year. In particular, coin market cap crypto community predicts that Bitcoin will trade at an average price of $21,237 by the end of December 2022. According to data obtained by Finfold on November 5th, price represents a drop of less than 1% from Bitcoin's value at the time of publishing. The projection is based on votes by 12,953 community members leveraging the price estimate tool. So Bitcoin technical analysis, interestingly, long-term Bitcoin technical analysis expresses mixed sentiments for the asset. For instance, a summary of one month of technicals highlights neutrality at seven with buy at 10. Moving averages are for sale at nine, while oscillators are buy at four. In this case, the $25,000 level is considered a critical psychological point for Bitcoin as it places the asset in line to regain the highs witnessed towards the end of last year. In the meantime, Bitcoin was trading at $21,250 by press time after several attempts to breach the level. So there you guys have it. What do you guys think about this article, Bitcoin price prediction for December 31st, 2022? Comment down below and let me know what you guys think. Okay, article number two. Nier's conflict with market bulls proves the protocol may have a mind of its own. So last month was marked by positive price corrections in the cryptocurrency market, which sent the price of alts like Dogecoin rallying by 100%, according to the data from CoinGecko. Global currency market capitalization grew by 9% in the last 30 days. However, Nier decoupled from the rest of the market and posted a price decline instead. A month ago, Nier traded at a high of $3.68, but eventually declined to $0.28 cents by 2nd of November. However, since then, its price has rallied by 10%, according to data from CoinMarketCap. This price rally coincided with the commencement of a new bull cycle toward the end of October. Observed on a daily chart, this was when Nier's moving average convergence MACD line intersected with its trend line in an upward direction. Nier's movements on the price chart revealed a consistent growth in buying pressure since 2 November. Furthermore, its relative strength index was 58 at press time after breaking above the 50 neutral region two days ago. Also, its money flow index was spotted in an uptrend at 56, indicating that token accumulation had climbed steadily. Nier in Q3. In a report titled State of Nier Q3 2022, Misari assessed Near Protocol's performance in Q3 2022. This revealed that the smart contract platform suffered a significant blow to its revenue within the three-month period. Revenue on the Near Protocol stood at $220,000 between July and September, which was an 82% decline from Q2's $1.19 million. Misari further found that the sharp fall in revenue resulted from a 35% drop in transactions paired with sub-1 cent transition fees. Besides a decline in revenue, DeFi TVL on the network also fell by 30% within the period under review. However, while its TVL fell on a QOQ basis, Misari found that the TVL of the smart contract platform was up 10x on a YOY basis. Near closed Q3 with a TVL of $513 million. Misari further reported that NFT sales on Near have been consistently declining since the beginning of the year. Near also registered 16,000 NFT sales, 
120,000 active wallets, even an even split between NFT buyers and NFT sellers. So there you guys have it. Nier's conflict with market bulls proves the protocol may have a mind of its own. Comment down below and let me know what you guys think. All right, article number three in Bankrupt Lebanon. Locals, locals mine Bitcoin and buy groceries with Tether as $1 is now worth 15 cents. Let's take a look at the key points here. Number one, once known for a stable and investment-friendly banking system, Lebanon has plunged into chaos as hyperinflation grips the country and banks force huge haircuts on dollar withdrawals. To make ends meet in a financial system that no longer makes sense, some Lebanese are mining Bitcoin or storing wealth using the cryptocurrency. The dollar-pegged stablecoin Tether, which users trade for cash, is also popular. When Giorgio Obu Gabriel first heard about Bitcoin in 2016, it sounded like a scam. But by 2019, a Lebanon plunged into a financial crisis following decades of expensive wars and bad spending decisions. A decentralized and borderless digital currency operating outside the reach of bankers and politicians sounded a lot like salvation. Gabriel was an architect living in his hometown of Beirut, a village 11 miles due east of Beirut. He had lost his job and needed to figure out another way to quickly get a hold of cash. In the spring of 2020, Gabriel says the banks were closed and locals were barred from withdrawing money from their accounts. Receiving cash via international wire transfer wasn't a great option either since these services would take U.S. dollars from the sender and give Lebanese pounds to the recipient at a much lower rate than the market value, according to the 27-year-old. I would lose around half of the value, explained Gabriel of the experience. That's why I was looking at Bitcoin. It was a good way to get money from abroad. Gabriel discovered a subreddit dedicated to connecting freelancers with employers willing to pay in Bitcoin. The architect's first job was to film a short commercial for a company that sold tires. Gabriel was paid $5 in Bitcoin. Despite the tiny amount, he was hooked. Today, half of Gabriel's income is from freelance work, 90% of which is paid in Bitcoin. The other half comes from a U.S. dollar denominated salary paid by his new architecture firm. Beyond being a convenient way to earn a living, Bitcoin has also become his bank. When I get paid from my architecture job, I withdraw all my money continued Gabriel. He then uses that cash to buy small amounts of Bitcoin every Saturday. The rest he keeps as spending money for daily needs and home renovations. Gabriel isn't alone in seeking alternative ways to earn, save, and spend money in Lebanon, a country whose banking system is fundamentally broken after decades of mismanagement. The local currency has lost more than 95% of its value since August 2019. The minimum wage has effectively plummeted from $450 to $17 a month. Pensions are virtually worthless. Lebanon's triple-digit inflation is expected to be second only to Sudan this year. And bank account balances are just numbers on paper. Not everyone believes that the banks are bankrupt, but the reality is that they are, says Ray Hindi, CEO of Zurich-based management firm dedicated to digital assets. The situation hasn't really changed since 2019. Banks limited withdrawals, and those deposits became IOUs. You could have taken out your money with a 15% haircut, then 35%, and today we're at 85%, continued Hindi, who was born and raised in Lebanon before leaving at the age of 19. Still, people look at their bank statements and believe that they're going to be made whole at some point. Despite losing nearly all of their savings and pension, 
Gabrielle's parents, both of whom are career government employees, are holding out hope that the existing financial system will right-size at some point. In the meantime, Bagrel is covering the difference. Others have lost faith in the monetary system altogether. Enter cryptocurrency. CNBC spoke with multiple locals, many of whom consider cryptocurrencies a lifeline for survival. Some are mining for digital tokens as their sole source of income while they hunt for a job. Others arrange clandestine meetings via Telegram to swap the stablecoin Tether for U.S. dollars in order to buy groceries. Although the form that crypto adoption takes varies depending upon the person and the circumstances, nearly all of these locals craved a connection to money that actually makes sense. Bitcoin has really given us hope, Gabriel said. I was born in my village. I've lived here my whole life, and Bitcoin has helped me to stay here. The lost Paris of the Middle East. Between the end of the Second War and the start of Lebanon's civil war in 1975, Beirut was in its golden age, earning it the title of the Paris of the Middle East. The world's elite flocked to the Lebanese capital, which floated a sizable francophone population. Mediterranean seaside cafes and a banking sector known for its resilience and emphasis on secrecy. Even after the brutal 15-year civil war ended in 1990, Lebanon competed with the offshore banking jurisdictions such as Switzerland and Cayman Islands as an ideal destination for the rich to park their cash. Lebanese banks offered both a certain degree of anonymity and interest rates ranging from highs of 15% to 31% on U.S. dollars. According to one estimate shared by Dan Aziz, an economist and former CEO of the Lebanese subsidiary of Standard Chartered Bank, in return, Lebanon drew in the foreign currencies that is so desperately needed to restock its coffers after the civil war. There were strings attached. Some banks, for example, had a lockup window of three years and sleep minimum balance requirements. But for a while, the system worked pretty well for everyone involved. The banks got an influx of cash, depositors saw their balances swiftly grow, and the government went on an undisciplined spending spree with the money it borrowed from the banks. The mirage of easy money was further reinforced by the government putting some of that borrowed cash toward maintaining a fixed exchange rate for deposits inflows at an overvalued peg. Tourism and international aid, plus foreign direct investment from oil-rich Gulf states also went a long way toward shoring up the balance sheet of the central bank. Bank du Liban, the country is brain dead, and uh, the subsequent boom in remittance payments sent home by the Lebanese diaspora injected dollars as well. World Bank data shows remittances as a percentage of gross domestic product peaked at more than 26% in 2014, though it stayed high through the 2018 global financial prices, these payments, however, began to slow through the 2010s amid unrest throughout the region. In the growing prominence of Hezbollah, an Iranian-backed Shiite political party and militant group in Lebanon alienated some of the country's biggest donors. Meanwhile, as the government splurged to try and rebuild from the civil war, the government budget deficit plunged further into the red and its imports have far outstripped its exports for years. To try to stave off a total economic meltdown, in 2016, Central Bank Chief Riyad Salameh, an ex-Merrill Lynch banker who had been on the job since the early 1990s, decided to dial up banking incentives. People willing to deposit U.S. dollars earn astronomical interest on their money. 
which proved especially compelling at a time when returns elsewhere in the world were relatively underwhelming. Al-Chama tells CNBC that those who deposited U.S. dollars and then converted those dollars to Lebanese lira earned the highest interest. The era of easy money fell off a cliff in October 2019 when the government proposed a flurry of taxation on everything from gas to tobacco to WhatsApp calls. People took to the streets in what became known as the October 17 revolution. As the masses revolted, the government defaulted on its sovereign debt for the first time ever in the early 2020. Just as the COVID pandemic took hold around the world, making a terrible situation worse, in August 2020, an explosion of a stockpile of ammonium nitrate stored at a port in Beirut, blamed on gross government negligence, killed more than 200 people and cost the city billions of dollars in damages. The banks, spooked by all the chaos, first limited withdrawals and then shut their doors entirely as much of the world descended into lockdown. Hyperinflation took root. The local currency, which had a peg of 1,500 Lebanese pounds to $1 for 25 years, began to rapidly depreciate. The street rate now is 40,000 pounds to $1. You need a backpack to go for lunch with a group of people, explained Hindi. After reopening, the banks refused to keep up with this extreme depreciation and offered much lower exchange rates for U.S. dollars than they were worth on the open market. So money in the bank was suddenly worth much less. As he dubbed this new form of money, Lawlers, referring to U.S. dollars deposited into the Lebanese banking system before 2019, today withdrawals of Lawlers are capped, and each Lawler is paid out at a rate worth about 15% of its actual value. According to estimates from multiple locals and experts living across Lebanon, meanwhile, banks still offer the full market rate exchange rates for the U.S. dollar deposited after 2019. These are known colloquially as fresh dollars. For many Lebanese, this was the point at which money was just stopped making sense. I sent actual dollars from my dollar account in Switzerland to my dad's Lebanese account. They count as fresh dollars because it came from abroad. But of course, my dad is running counterparty risk with the bank. Mohamed El Chama, a 27-year-old Beirut-based journalist at L'Orient Today, tells at CNBC that when the bank began instituting these restrictions, he had $3,000 in his savings account from odd jobs he did in grad school. One of my life's regrets was not withdrawing my money in full before the crisis hit. Who is studying for a master's in urban planning at the American University of Beirut? I could see the writing on the wall because the bank started charging me a small percentage for every dollar withdrawal I made a month before the crisis hit, which I thought was kind of odd. El Chama says that he has since grown accustomed to withdrawing money from his bank account at a bad rate of 10% to 15% of its original worth but there is no way in hell he would ever deposit cash in a Lebanese bank ever again. Instead, he keeps what remains in his life savings in cash and just uses his bank account to pay for his iCloud service and music streaming account. Access to his account is spotty. The banks closed again in September, and there are nationwide power cuts which translate to limited ATM access. Bank heists in which locals demand money from their personal accounts by the force are the new norm. Some have brandished a toy gun, a hunting rifle, while others have taken hostages in an effort to access their savings to pay hospital bills. The assailants include a member of the Lebanese parliament who demanded her frozen savings for medical expenses and a former Lebanese ambassador. It gets worse over time, but the fundamentals have been bad since 2019. 
they haven't changed that much, said Hindi. The World Bank says Lebanon's economic and financial crisis is among the worst it's seen anywhere on the planet since the 1850s. The United Nations estimates that 78% of Lebanese population has now fallen below the poverty line. Goldman Sachs analysts estimates losses at the local banks at around $65 billion to $70 billion, a figure that is four times the country's entire GDP. Fitch projects inflation rising to 178% this year, worse than it both in Venezuela and Zimbabwe. And there are conflicting messages from the government's top brass as to whether countries is officially bankrupt. The International Monetary Fund is in talks with Lebanon to put a big band-aid over the whole mess. The global lender is considering extending a $3 billion lifeline with lots of conditions attached. Meanwhile, there is a power vacuum as parliament keeps trying and failing to elect a president. So, mine to earn. A little over two years ago, Ahmad Abu Dahar and his friend began mining ether with three machines running on hydroelectric power in Zaria, a town 30 miles south of Beirut in the Shouf Mountains. At the time, Ethereum, the blockchain underpinning the Ether token, operated on a proof-of-work model, which miners around the world would run high-powered computers that crunched math equations to in order to validate transactions and simultaneously create new tokens. This is how the Bitcoin network is still secure today. The process requires expensive equipment, some technical know-how, and a lot of electricity. Because miners at a scale compete in a low-margin industry where their only variable cost is energy, they are driven to migrate to the world's cheapest sources of power. Abu Dhar taps into a hydropower project which harnesses electricity from the 90-mile Litani River that cuts across the southern Lebanon. He says he is getting 20 hours a day of electricity at old pre-inflationary rates. So basically, we are paying very cheap electricity and we are getting fresh dollars through mining, continued Abu Dahir. When 22-year-old Abu Dahir said that his mining venture was profitable, he and his friend expanded the operation. They built their own farm with rakes acquired at fire sale prices from miners in China and began reselling and repairing mining equipment for others. They also started to post rigs for people living across Lebanon who needed stable money but lacked the technical expertise, as well as the access to cheap and steady electricity, a highly coveted commodity in a country with crippling electricity blackouts. Abu Dahir has also customers outside of Lebanon in Syria, Turkey, France, and the UK. It has been 26 months since they first shut up shop and business is thriving. According to Abu Dahir, he says he had profits of $20,000 in September, half from mining, half from selling machines and trading in crypto. The government facing electrical shortages is trying to crack down. In January, police raided a small crypto mining farm in the hydropowered town of Jazin, seizing and dismantling mining rigs in the process. Soon after, the Litani River Authority, which oversees the country's hydroelectric sites, reportedly said that energy-intensive crypto mining was straining its resources and draining electricity. But Abu Dahir tells CNBC he is neither worried about being raided nor the government's proposal to hike up the price of electricity. We had some meetings with the police, and we don't have any problems with them because we are taking legal electricity. We are not affecting the infrastructure, he said. Whereas Abu Dahir says that he has set up a meter that officially tracks how much energy his machines have consumed, other miners have allegedly hitched their rigs to their grid illegally and are not paying for power. Basically, a lot of other persons are having some issues because they are not paying for electricity and they are affecting the infrastructure, he said.
Rawad, a 27-year-old with a marketing degree, found out about Abu Dahir's mining operation three years ago through his brother. We started because there is not enough work in Lebanon, he said of his motivation to jump into mining. Who lives south of the capital in a city called Barja began small, purchasing two miners to start. Then every month, we started to go bigger and bigger. Because of the distance to Abu Dahir's farms, Il pays to outsource the work of hosting and maintaining the rigs. He tells CNBC that his 11 machines mine for Litecoin and Dogecoin, which collectively bring the equivalent of about 0.02 Bitcoin a month, or $426. It's a similar story for Salah Azatir, an architect living 20 minutes south of El Hajj in the coastal city of Sidon. El Zatir tells CNBC that he began mining Dogecoin and Litecoin in March of this year to augment his income. He now has 10 machines that he keeps with his Abu Dahir. El Zatir's machines are newer models, so he pulls in more than El Hash, about $8,500 a month. Al Zatir pulls all his money out of the bank before the crisis hit in 2019, and he held onto that cash until deciding to invest his life savings into mining equipment last year. I got into it because I think it will become a good investment in the future. Official government data shows that 3% of those earning a living in Lebanon are paid in a foreign currency such as U.S. dollars. So mining offers a rare opportunity to get a hold of fresh dollars. If you can get the machine and you get the power, you get the money, said Nicholas Shafir, a University of Oxford academic studying Lebanon's crypto mining industry. Abu Dahir, who graduated from the American University of Beirut six months ago, has also been experimenting with other ways to get more use out of crypto mining. As part of his year-end project at the university, he designed a system to harness the heat from the miners as a means to keep homes and hospitals warm during the winter months. But mining crypto tokens to earn a living is not for everybody. Gabriel considered it, but ultimately the cost of buying gear, plus paying for electricity, cooling, and maintenance seemed like a roundabout way of getting what he wanted. It's easier just to buy Bitcoin, he said. So there you guys have it. What do you guys think about this article? A bankrupt Lebanon, locals mine Bitcoin and buy groceries with Tether as $1 is now worth 15 cents. So there you guys have it. Let me know what you guys think in the comments below. All right. Last but not least, let's take a look at the main topic today. Beeple is bringing immersive 3D NFTs to Solana. The world's biggest NFT artist will branch out from Ethereum to Solana via Melaplex and Render Network. So the Enfant Terrible of NFT art world Beeple is coming to Solana. Stephen Hess, CEO of Metaplex Studios, the creator of Solana's NFT standard, broke the news today at Solana's Breakpoint Conference in Lisbon, Portugal. In partnership with the Render Network, we're excited to become Beeple to Mexico and Metaplex and Solana, Hess announced, adding that Beeple would be debuting the future of streaming and immersive 3D NFTs. Details of the collaboration were thin on the ground. With a further announcement to come on Monday, but a slide accompanying uh, Hess's announcement provided some clues. Users will be invited to create your own unique NFT with a Beeple every day, using a randomized set of objects and time to create, and over $69 million in 2021. Beeple is already closely involved with Render Network, having served as an advisor to the platform, which provides creators with a decentralized peer-to-peer -peer network that lets users tap into remote rendering power. Uh, 
In December, Render Network raised $30 million in a funding round with participants including the Solana Foundation Alameda Research. Since its headline grabbing $69 million NFT sale last year, People has branched out into tokenized physical artwork with a kinetic video sculpture paired with an NFT and begun work on a digital art studio to host work by himself and other creators. Speaking to Decrypt earlier this year, Beeple revealed that he expects to see NFTs increasingly focus on emotional connection or utility instead of pure rampant speculation. He added that in his future works, there will be some sort of utility to having these things, and that he's interested in exploring the possibilities afforded by dynamic NFTs. So there you guys have it. What do you guys think about this article? Beeple is bringing immersive 3D NFTs to Solana comment down below and let me know what you guys think all right let's take a look at the uh, prices one more time before we head out so uh cryptocurrency market is bitcoin number one nineteen thousand seven hundred fifty one dollars ethereum one thousand four hundred seventy three dollars tether one dollar bnb three hundred twenty one dollars usd coin one dollar binance usd 99 cents XRP, 43 cents, Dogecoin, 10 cents, Cardano, 38 cents, and last but not least, Polygon at $1.10. So there you guys have it. Thank you so much for making it this far into Dave's Daily Crypto Take. Again, please like, share, subscribe to the channel. Uh, if you have any friends or family that are interested in unbiased crypto news, please send them my way. Again, love you all. Have a great crypto day, and I'll see you guys in the next one. Peace.